Thanks, Tim. Just a massive apology for those of you who are watching online. Sorry we had an absolute shocker coming into the service, but hopefully we're all there now. So uh, it's great that you've joined us. Thank you. Um, yeah, I really need that prayer tonight. I just, we, had a, we had a block drain at home, and, and I actually smell quite bad, which is why it's good that I'm on the stage and you're where you are. Um, and then the internet breaks. Um, and, you know, I always think, oh, it's such a spiritual battle when you want to talk about God's grace. And that might sound like a real over-spiritualization, but when you're in ministry, like, you can talk about lots of different subjects and topics without real resistance. But as soon as you start talking about grace or money, it's amazing how everything really tightens up. And, um, you know, I always think there's a real supernatural battle over grace. And here we are in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read uh, to you, focusing really on the first few verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. You know, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 is like a spoiler for the whole of scripture. I'm a terrible spoiler of films um, because I get so excited about the story. I'm like, oh, have you seen that really great new heist movie? Isn't it amazing that that guy does it? They're like, oh, all right. Yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll make sure I don't watch that one now, Will. Uh, because you've completely ruined it. Oh, that Poirot. I can't believe that. It's such a classic, isn't it? And actually, it's the lady in the kitchen, you know, with a candlestick. Oh, all right. Yeah, I was looking, I was looking forward to, 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 to watching that one, Will. Thank. I won't bother now. Now I know it's Mrs. White in the kitchen with a candlestick. Um, I, I just get so excited about the end of the story, I can't help but tell you that story. And I feel like just Paul's a bit like that with Romans. I feel like he's, he's you know, if there's any messianic secret, it's all off with Paul. Like, there is no secret. Let me tell you, in no uncertain terms, this is who Jesus is. This is what he's done, and you just need to know all about it. And so here you are with this, like, meta phrase. Like, what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, if you're, gonna, if you're stopped on Parsons Green, if you went out for a drink at the White Horse, and someone, like, nudged you at the bar and said, hey, you know, like, what's it mean to be a Christian? Don't you long for that? Like, hey, there's a great question for you. 
hey, excuse me, your life is like really different. Are you a Christian? <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, it's like, the, it's like a fragrance about you. Uh, really? The fragrance of Christ? Uh, can you just give me like one line about what it means like to be a Christian? Uh, uh, well, yes. Let me take you to Romans chapter 8 verse 1. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's it. It's all you need to know. Like, yes, we could talk a lot about the mechanisms of grace. And, and Paul goes on to talk about, you know, what God did. And we could talk about propitiation and expiation sacrifice and get into kind of like a detail of what did Jesus do on the cross. But ultimately, if you're interested in results, if you want to know what God does, then it's Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who live in Christ Jesus. It's the simple but ultimate truth, and yet it's so hard to grasp. It's so hard to grasp that I'm wrestling with putrid water in the drain, thinking I've got to get to church, and now I'm trying to like remove the blockage. And then I'm at the back going, I really want to worship Jesus, and the internet disappears mysteriously. And, you know, you're trying to press into something that you think is, like, ultimate, and yet it's so often kind of robbed. And why? Well, because ultimately it's the most precious message we could ever receive, and yet it's the one that's most greatly opposed in our lives. You know, I, when people look at you and they're like, oh, you're a vicar, you probably came out of the womb with a guitar singing, kumbaya, my lord, you know, and that's like, it's so easy for you. But, like, that's not my story. My story is a story of real faith wrestling. Like, I grew up in the church, but I'm not a child of the church. Like, I'm a prodigal who came home because I wrestled so hard to receive the knowledge that there was no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus. Now, it's much easier to get wasted than it is to accept grace. Yet when you believe that you're evil, it's really hard to accept that you're good. Now, when you, when you believe that there should be condemnation for you, it's really hard to accept that there is no condemnation for you. Now, when you experience harassment or abuse or bullying or, 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 or exclusion or, or merciless treatment by members of your family, whatever you experience, you imbibe a message that says you deserve to be judged. You deserve condemnation. It feels like no measure of grace is enough for you, enough for me. You think about it like, like my box. I, mean, I, I did this with the kids, and I, I never know whether to patronize you in the evening service or if it's okay, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with it tonight. Um, you know, I, I, oh, staggering around life with this weird box, this weird feeling of like, oh, it's so heavy. I deserve this condemnation. I'm carrying this box of condemnation with me because of whatever sexual sin there is in my life or whatever, whatever I've been drinking or smoking or snorting in my history or whatever it is that like, means I don't match up or the grades I didn't get or the disappointment I might feel that I am. And this like, heavy burden we wander around with going, I'm sure like, inside here is all of the condemnation I really deserve. And, 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 and we never stop. We just stagger and we kind of hope, you know what? I hope no one notices. But, but, but we're invited in Romans 8 to like open the box. And, 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 and we get inside and we think, oh my goodness, what am I ever going to find in here? And we, and we take out all the packaging and, and, and we're looking for something that legitimizes 
condemnation you know and their, and their sin for sure but but in Christ we just find the packaging because all of the stuff that was in this box, all of my sin and all of my shame and all of my dislocation and all of the mistakes I've made have already been taken somewhere else. Jesus took them to the cross. So I've just got packaging, I've got memories, I've got disappointments and I've got struggles and maybe I've got regrets, but the sins just aren't in the box anymore. They're at the cross. You know, and the weird thing about grace is it, it feels threatening. It feels like a threat to me, grace. And, and, and so it's like grace is like this box too. It's like it's toxic. It's going to be dangerous. Grace is something I can't receive. Or like danger. You know, we're facing great dangers if we deal in grace. It, there's a warning on this box. But you know, the message is actually that that behind misreading grace is a danger to sin and death. It's not a danger to me. Like grace is a danger to sin and death because through God's sacrifice of Christ, somehow my future is secured. It's not a danger to me. I'm not going to get outed for grace. I'm not going to get humiliated for grace. I'm receiving a gift. There's not a warning to anything other than the fear of the future. Actually, the warning here is I don't need to fear the future anymore because my future is secure in Christ. I'm not going to face condemnation and judgment anymore because he's already done that work for me. There's a hazard, but it's not hazard to me. It's a hazard to living poorly because I can't live well if I'm staggering around with a feeling of condemnation on my shoulders as if I, I don't match up anymore when I do. Not because of what I've done, because of what God's done in me. It's toxic, but not to me. It's only toxic to my low self-esteem. It's toxic to the bits of me that say I don't match up anymore. Now, this is what it looks like to really explore what no condemnation feels like. It's really an empty box. It's signs of hope. It's not what we might imagine. You know, our classical assumption of this modern world is that actually people could do with a bit more condemnation. Have you ever thought like that? You thought, ah, oh, you know, everyone's like so immoral these days. They, like, we need like to go back to fire and brimstone preaching so people really like get their conscience back. I'm not sure that's true. When I talk to people, Christian and non, I, I feel like there's evidence to suggest that they're struggling with a, a painful conscience. And that many of the behaviours that they outwork are outworked with an attempt to try and assuage a pained conscience. That they feel badly about themselves and so they undertake activity that they feel aligns with how they feel about themselves. You want to meet someone who sleeps around. They're not doing it because, normally because of lust in my experience. They're doing it because of shame. You meet people who get absolutely wasted they don't do it because they enjoy it. They're doing it to forget themselves. And we're busy maybe condemning others because we feel that we deserve condemnation ourselves. We're struggling in our own spirits with this feeling of otherness. Many of the behaviors that people undertake are an attempt to mitigate the shame and otherness that they feel. And I find it fascinating that Paul is writing to a Roman audience. 
He's writing this letter from Corinth, which is definitely pretty licentious, to Rome, which was pretty licentious. He wasn't writing it to a moral group of people who were struggling in conscience, you know, in a traditional sense. We're going to do Galatians next month. We'll talk about them and their legalism. But here he's talking to a group of, of people who pretty much did whatever they wanted and didn't, you think, feel that much about it, but actually they did. They were struggling in conscience. Now, we carry this sense of otherness. Tim brilliantly explained last Sunday the, the kind of the defense that we carry, the am I safe question. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Every 15 seconds we're asking the question, am I safe? Not am I safe against a disease or, or, or tsunami or a storm or a, a lion, but am I safe in this social setting? Am I covered? Is my box on view? Do people see me as I see myself, deserving or worthy of your condemnation? Psychologists determine that every time we meet new people, we're judging them uh, aligned to three core hierarchies, their morality, their sociability, and their competency. Every time we meet a new person, we're basically qualifying them against a scale. That's quite scary, isn't it? Do you want to have a drink with someone after the service tonight, have a walk around the person's screen? It's maybe someone you've never met before. See how you rate on their scale, morality, sociability, and competence. Maybe you'd like to give them a start of a 10. Just to tell you, I'm quite a moral person. I'd give myself an eight. And I'm quite sociable, as you see. Maybe not brilliant, but give me a six. Let's not talk about competency. You know, we, we judge others so we feel like we're going to be judged. You know, the, the, the challenge, Romans 8 is written, if you like, to get into the very heart of what it means to be human. Because God created us very human with a very big heart. God's right there in the midst of us saying, you know what you really need? What you really, really, really need is no condemnation. But, but no condemnation is not like a cheap gift. No condemnation means that sin has to be dealt with. Like we have to deal with the law in order to receive God's grace. It says that we are all subject to the law of sin and death. That's, that's the nature of the root of condemnation, is that, is that we are all under law, and that law is unable to offer us anything other than condemnation. Now, me and my best friend Tim, we, um, we worked in a fruit packing factory when we were growing up. It was actually when my dad worked. So we got, we got holiday jobs, which my dad really, really felt nervous about because we, we were not good workers. And uh, we go to the fruit packing factory and we worked out that we were paid badly. I think I was paid $1.95 an hour. Um, dad, let's talk about that. Um, and, 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 but you got double time after nine hours and you got triple time after 15 hours. And we used to do Christmas shifts when the supermarkets were really busting for like all their fruit and vegetables. And it was really, really hard work. But you know, you go into a fruit packing factory and you're like, okay, this, like, what, am, what am I going to be packing today? It'd be like aubergines, citrus fruit, you know, cherry tomatoes, they were the worst. But you had to pick out the bad ones, put all the good ones in a punnet and they were all graded. And... Um, and, and, and I always thought it was fascinating that like you go into this special tent and beautiful oranges would come in from Spain, you know, fantastic. Oh, this looks like a juicy orange. When you've seen 10,000 oranges, they don't look so good. But at the start, you're like, wow, this is an amazing orange. But then you stood in this UV tent and the UV light revealed these bruises on the oranges. 
And so they kind of came through on the conveyor belt, and, and you looked at them, they looked absolutely hideous. Like, I wouldn't eat that, turn on the light, and oh, that's horrible. Turn off the light, oh, that's a really nice orange. Turn on the, oh, oh, I wouldn't eat that. Oh, turn off the light, that looks fantastic. The, the reality is, in life, however good you look, under the light of God's perfection, we are all bruised and damaged fruit. You know, our world would tell you, if you've got 10,000 people following you on Instagram and, you know, you've got family and wealth and business and success, you're going to go through that UV light and you're going to be fine. But there's not a single piece of fruit that goes under that light that's without a bruise. That's what the law of sin and death told us. And you think, law of sin and death, that sounds terrible. But what it really means is, it's the law that says only the righteous, the truly righteous, are acceptable. And therefore, the law of sin and death does what it says on the tin. It identifies sin and therefore death in everyone that comes under that light. Under the scrutiny of God's judgment and perfection, every one of us is, is blemished. There's not one of us. But that's why we need to be under a new law. We're not under no law. We're under a new law, a law of the Spirit, a law of grace, which means not that you will receive a little bit less judgment, but you will receive no judgment. And this, for me, as, a, as someone who grew up in the Christian church, struggle with most of all. If you grew up in the church and you went away or made a mess, it seems weird, right? You become a Christian age five, and then you go through puberty and everything goes downhill from there. He's like, I thought you were supposed to start as a sinner and become a saint. Don't start as a saint and then become a sinner. It's pretty confusing if you're a church kid. It's just like everything went bad when you received Jesus. And then I would be really envious of the people who'd like, I was a bank robber and I, I was like real nightmare and then I became Jesus. Like, you know, Jesus came into my heart and now I'm like, I, now I'm a gardener and I look after old ladies on the weekend. You know, you'd be like, that's the testimony I want. I don't want the testimony where you become a Christian and you become a nightmare. It's such a struggle, right? You, you, you need this new law, not a law of doing better, although holiness is important because that's an outworking of grace. But it's not something that you do in order that you'll get a little bit less condemnation. Christians are not people who should go around going, oh, I'm, I'm doing quite well. Um, I think God will like, judge me a little bit better than he would have done before. Like when God sees me, he'll go, mm, you used to get four out of ten, but you're trying hard. School report says, carry on the good effort, making progress 6.5. That's not what it's about. That's not what Christianity is. It's not that you might get a little bit more kind of kindness or, or a little bit more favorable judgment. It's that you'll get no judgment. It's not that there's less condemnation. It's that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Edwards Denning, he was the guru of quality. You might have come across the Denning's theory. He says, you can't manage what you don't measure. And he championed a culture, probably like the one at my dad's factory, you know, where you measure aubergines. This is true. If they have more than a 20% curvature, they go in like the grade four basket. Cucumbers, less than 11 centimeters, get put in the grade four basket. 
You know, if there's a, a curvature or a shape that isn't quite right, you get put in a downgraded basket. You know, Denning said you've got to measure everything, you've got to assess quality all the time. Deming was the father of uniformity. He said consistency was king in retail. You know, the difficulty of Denning and his principles is that our world is effectively run by this idea of standardization. We, we live in a world that is about quality assessment, quantitative valuations. And we imbibe that same message so we can accept grace on paper, but only judgment in reality. And we live like our lives are being scrutinized and that we don't really match up. Imagine what our church life was like if we felt that we really wouldn't be condemned or judged. Wouldn't you want to participate more? Wouldn't you want to sort of be more yourself and actually say, well, this is okay. I mean, like, here I am. I'm me in church with people who also, like, they are not worrying about condemnation because ultimately God said, you face no condemnation. The system of measurement was powerless because the standard required an unmeetable measure. It's like going back to that factory floor and saying there's not a single piece of fruit here that can go to the supermarket. That's what life was like. But in Christ, everything opens up. Paul explains that God sent Jesus as a sin offering that condemned sin in us but also enabled us to meet the righteous requirement of the law. My son Joe is really into the Marvel movies at the moment. You know, and, and I kind of like them. You know, oh, I really like them. I pretend I don't. I'm like, I just sort of hang around by the sofa and lose. like, are you doing the washing up, love? Yeah, just, yeah, I'm, I'm on my way. It's Captain America, I'm on my way. But there's no superhero who, like, who lets people hide inside of them at the moment. But that sounds weird, doesn't it? Like... But that's what I kind of think. Like, you, you'll be, become a superhero, like you get massive and green, or like you get a special shield. But like, the way this works is that like, basically Jesus like, lets us hide in him. We're all hiding in Jesus. And, and like, the law of judgment and condemnation looks at Jesus, and Jesus smiles and goes, perfection. And we're all hiding inside going, yes. And then, and then like, we're like, yeah, this is great. We're covered by Jesus. Like he's like the great deflector shield of condemnation. Because when we're in him, all our sin is forgiven. And all the judgment that we deserved has been placed on him. And he's come up. He's gone along the conveyor belt. He's been shone on by the bright UV light. And there's not a single blemish. He's my superhero. You shouldn't say that theologically. It's not helpful, but I'm going to use it anyway just to help you have that idea of like, that's what it means. When God in his righteous, just judgment looks at you, he doesn't see you at that moment. He sees Jesus. Isn't that amazing? But it's not like your personality has been kind of displaced or your character has been lost or your gifts are kind of superfluous. It's that when God wants to then see all of the bits of you that he really loves, they shine even more brightly and they're even more you. Because that's the other bit of Christianity I didn't really get. It was like everything that was good that happened was God, 
and everything that was bad that happened, that was my fault. Actually, it's just like grace is this moment of traveling through the light of God's judgment in order that then Jesus says, okay, guys, you can get out now. I'm here. Now it's me. Now I'm redeemed. I'm shining. My life is being transformed. And you know what? Like we talk a lot about holiness, but maybe we talk about holiness in order that we'd receive less condemnation. But the holiness that we're really after is a holiness that is a response of gratitude to God for the way in which he saved us. Like I could have told you all about holiness when I was a teenager and a young adult. I could have told you about it, but my life didn't look holy in any stretch because the holiness I was trying to outwork was for the sake of less judgment. And that's a weak modus operandi. But when I fell in love with Jesus and realized what he'd done for me, I wanted to do different things. I wanted to be different. I ended up in a few scripts, which I won't talk about from the pulpit, where I remember sort of pulling back and going, hold on a minute, I'm a Christian. This is weird. But I'm going to just lay it out there because I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and I want to change my behavior, not because anyone is telling me to, but because I want to respond in love to a God of grace who's forgiven me and is transforming my life in a new way. I want to respond differently. You know, it's, um, as I said, a challenge. It's a, it's, it's a massive, massive challenge to accept what I'm saying tonight is true. Like, there'll be a little voice in your own head which is digging a hole right now to hide this message in. They want to, it wants to dig a hole, hide the message of grace, so you can go back to the system that you've always used, which is one of judgment. Like, just, just listen out for those little clues of like, oh yeah, but this doesn't apply to you, or you've done something far too terrible to allow grace to work for you, or Jesus died for everyone else's sins, but just kind of not yours, and actually you still need to try a bit harder, and no one really likes you. Listen to the voice. You've all been experiencing a system of judgment since you were born, a system of qualification, the, the law of sin and death. It's quite hard to make that transition. It's not hard for God. It's something that's already happened. But I want you all to live in what's already happened, not live as if it hasn't happened to you. What's it look like to live as if it hasn't happened? And Lamotte said, I don't know that I understand the mystery of grace at all. That's quite a good start, isn't it? Only that it meets us where we are, but doesn't leave us where it found us. It's hard to grasp. It's hard to receive. As I said, there's a spiritual battle around receiving it. But you can be transformed tonight, not waiting for the work to happen, but accepting that the work has already happened. Rob and I wrote the guilt book, I think in 2014, in a direct response to the fact that we've never met more self-condemning, self-critical and negative people as we had done in the church. Now we, had, we, we, we thought, well, let's write a book about false guilt because that seems like a really important topic. And then we went out and started asking Christians about their experience of false guilt. And we're like, okay, I think the Lord might be saying something about false guilt. Because we really, really, really could not find a demographic which was more riddled and plagued by false guilt and a sense of condemnation 
than we could find in the context of a Christian church. Isn't that an irony? Of all of the people in the world who should not feel condemnation, it was the very people who had the key to freedom in their own hands. You know, it's really interesting to me that even the scribes who copied out Romans couldn't help themselves adding a qualification. In verse 4, there's a little qualification. It's not there in the original manuscripts. It's a little addition that someone thought it was helpful just to kind of add a little bit. Spurgeon reads at them. But they thought, oh, I'll just stick in those of you who, who live really morally and well. You get to enjoy this. It's not there in the original because it's so shocking that grace might be something you could receive not as a response of qualification. Tonight, I wonder if you're trying to qualify your redemption or if you can really receive it. It's an alien concept to comprehend because we're not used to living with it. But when we can grasp it, it will transform our life. We move from the law of sin and death to the law of the spirit of life, which is enabled by the offering of Christ's self on the cross for our sake. You're not under less of the law of sin and death. You're under a completely different law. Imagine that. Imagine that someone came over to put a ticket on your car on Parsons Green. You're parked on double yellows and he's wearing his uniform. He's saying, here we go. That's 60 pounds, please. I'm sorry, I'm under a different set of laws. You cannot put a penalty on my car. That's what it feels like to be a Christian. You are living in a different world, under different rules, in a different way, because of God's incredible and overwhelming love for each and every one of you. And, and when I look forward to St. Dee's as it's growing and glowing, I'm looking forward to a congregation of people who believe everything I'm saying tonight wholeheartedly. And, and, and that is a decision that you make daily. It's, it's a decision that some of us will make hourly when that voice of criticism and hostility rises up within us. I'd love you to stand with me now as we pray and we're going to worship. If you, just if you're here tonight, and you might be only one of a, a few people, but if you're here tonight and you're thinking, well, that sounds lovely. I would love that, but I'm not sure I'm under the new law. Then pray a little prayer with me right now. And, and this is as simple as it gets. Imagine your box is full of stuff that you regret things that you've thought, said or done that have displeased your neighbour, damaged yourself and offended God. We're just going to take these things and say, Jesus, I, I take everything that's in this box, everything I've done, thought or said, every sin in my life, and I'm just going to turn it over to you right now. I want to say, Lord, I'm sorry for living in rebellion against you. I, I, want, to, I want to come under the law of the spirit of life. And I trust that you died for me, that you rose again and that you took all of these burdens, all of these sins to the cross for my sake so I wouldn't have to live in condemnation. And I receive you, Jesus, into my life by your spirit. I choose to become a Christian today, a follower of Jesus, one who's covered by this new law. Amen.
If you prayed that prayer, you're just like everyone else in the room who's already prayed that prayer, and you're no longer under condemnation. But for those of you who know what it is to be a Christian, but still feel that you live under condemnation, let's just, let's just look at this empty box one more time prayerfully. And let's just say, Jesus, I, I'm, I recognize that I'm no longer under condemnation. There's no condemnation for me. And I want you, Holy Spirit, to speak to my mind, to speak to my heart where I condemn myself, where I'm quick to assume the judgments of others. I want to live with a new confidence. I want to live as a child of God. I want to live freely. I don't want to live fearful of the future. I want to live with joy in the present. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come now and make grace real to me. Forgiveness real to me. Confidence in Christ real to me. Joy and peace real to me. That I can live my life for your glory. Holy Spirit, thank you. I want to accept that I'm a man or a woman under law, under the law of the spirit of life. That's how I'll live from this day forward. Come, Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is here just moving amongst people. I can see signs of his work, both physical and spiritual. And I just invite the band to play, let's lead us. But don't rush into worship in, 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 a, in a sung sense. Let the Spirit of God continue this deep work he's doing in you tonight and let joy emerge from you I believe tonight that joy is going to emerge in some people's hearts in a really really powerful way don't, don't suppress it don't rush from it just allow it and, it and just say Lord increase that increase that sense of your joy tonight I want to experience more of what you're doing by your spirit